And, and then out of all those planets, one of them was adjusted just right to have the right atmosphere, to have oxygen on it, to be exactly the right distance from the sun so that we wouldn't burn up nor freeze to death. And then it turn on its axis and give us season, summer, winter, and then it uh, rotate as it goes around the sun, a 24-hour rotation. And out of all the planets, this one decided to have life on its own. And, uh, and then there sprang a monkey, imagine that. Or I think it started actually with a tadpole or a fish and then a tadpole. Then somehow it went into a monkey and then all of a sudden, here you are tonight, amen. And then out of that monkey, male, female, children, everything that we have. I want to say tonight it takes more faith to believe that than to believe in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, amen. And uh, this kind of like I've often said with that, uh, they say out of chaos came this complex universe. Uh, go buy you a bunch of building material from Lowe's tonight or tomorrow if you're wanting a house. Pile it all up out in the yard. Stick a stick of dynamite in it and blow it up. And uh, tell me if you've got you a beautiful home when you're done with it. And uh, But that's the way some people are doing their Christianity. They have a chaotic Christianity and a chaotic way of living for God and there's no organization about it, and they expect to have this beautiful, uh, awesome walk with God, the power of God in their life, but it does not come from that tonight as we began to study. Uh, we look at this tonight, we can study our Bible. God is a God of order. That example is set forth all through the Word of God. We can go to Revelation tonight, chapter number 4 and uh, chapter number 5, and we can see order in the presence of God. You see the throne, you see the 24 elders uh, seated around the throne. Uh, we see a strong angel proclaiming with a book in his hand, who is worthy, it was it that, uh, that that situation were like, well, God ordained that, no doubt about it, and God is a God of order. We can look at the great tree relation. We see order, even in the midst of every bit of that, <coughs> God has an order and a planned time for everything to get through with there. Now, notice with me in our text tonight, I said a lot of that just to whet your appetite as the things that we are dealing with in our day. Brother Philip talking about men with the Holy Ghost on them. I always think of Brother Raymond Geis, a preacher up our way. And Brother Raymond, uh, he wasn't a highly educated man. I'll tell you something Brother Raymond knew, and he was a Holy Ghost, amen. And any time God would get on somebody, he'd get excited, and he'd say, boy, that's Holy Ghost preaching right there. And uh, he loved it. And I'm going to say that we have a major lack of that in this generation, no doubt. Look with me in the book of Jude tonight. I'm going to just give you several thoughts out of this as we begin to look at it. Notice he, he's under a burden. He is writing to them, and he is writing to them, and he tells them specifically why he is writing to them. Verse number 3, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto you. 
uh, when the pressure begins to get on God's people, uh, you'll begin to see a burden, no doubt about it. Uh, Peter, in 2 Peter, Peter knows that he is fixing to die. Very similar to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. As Paul is writing to Timothy, he knows he's fixing to lose his head at Nero's shopping block. Well, Peter knows the same thing. And uh, Peter said, I know that I'm not writing on you uh, about something that you don't know, but I am reminding you of some things, and I would have them to be in your memory when I have uh, deceased and uh, I have departed. So we find that there is a burden. But tonight, as we begin to look at Jude, as Jude is writing, I always get tickled when I read verse number six and you say, uh, what about? Well, uh, I slipped up and watched that movie, Noah. And uh, out of curiosity, it was killing me uh, what they put out about Noah. And according to Jude, the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, uh, they are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Now, we are talking about deception here in the book of Jude. In that movie, It Tickled Me, they had the fallen angels helping Noah build the ark. And uh, because they did that, God let them go back to heaven. Now, we laugh about that tonight, but do you know the people out there that would believe that mess? And uh, how about that crowd down there in the Waco in Waco and the people that gave their lives uh, believing that garbage and we look at that and we think how could that happen and the deception that they believe. Benny Hinn, brethren, that's a no-brainer to me tonight that Benny Hinn is a false prophet. If I could heal somebody tonight, you wouldn't have to pay me. You wouldn't have to put a television camera on me. I'd be down at the children's hospital in Greenville tonight emptying that place out. I'd put the McDonald's house out of business. They wouldn't have to raise no more money. Uh, St. Jude, uh, Shriners wouldn't have to raise any more money. I'd put everyone up out of business and nobody would have to put my name in the paper to do it. Amen? Notice that tonight. Uh, we could speak of great deceptions. We are contending with a lot of things tonight in this generation. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus, he told them, he said as they walked out of the temple in Matthew 24 and they were bragging and they were showing him the temple and they were ooing and on. and Jesus made the statement, hey, there ain't going to be one stone left upon another here at this place. It stirred the disciples' curiosity. They got up on Mount Olive there and they asked him, they said, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They asked him that. Very good question. And the very first thing that Jesus warns them about in that question 
is beware of deception. Beware of false prophets. There'll be many come in my name saying that I am he. And uh, brethren, tonight as we look at this, I want to deal with one thing that I believe that a lot of us are dealing with and contending with tonight. I'm not contending with believing whether Benny Hinn is real or not. That's a no-brainer. I'm not contending with uh, uh, Brother Philip done mentioned Joel Osteen. Brethren, that's a no-brainer to me tonight. Uh, I'm not dealing with that issue. And a lot of these false prophets in this generation, I believe the Catholic Church is wrong. I, I'm not wavering back and forth tonight on whether I should be a Jehovah's Witness or not, or a Mormon tonight. Uh, none of that, brother. And every bit of that is deception. Every bit. And uh, even the Catholic Church, uh, uh, I thought about putting a confession booth on the side of our church uh, just because I'm nosy. It would be kind of Jerry Springerish, amen, to see what everybody's into and get a good laugh. And, uh, Brett, I'll tell you something. I, I don't want to know what you're into unless we need to deal with it. But for a man to say to someone else, Thy sins be forgiven thee. There's no man on earth that can do that. Jesus is, uh, the Bible says, for there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Amen. So that's not really an issue with me tonight, Brother David. I'm settled uh, that the Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. I'm not going to be mean or rude about it. But if you believe what they believe, it'll take you to a devil's hell. And uh, I'm not being rude nor ugly about it. Uh, Book of John teaches us, John, in the Word of God, that if they don't believe that the Son is the Son of God, then they are heretics and it is a false religion. Brethren, that is the truth tonight. They don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. Mormons the same way. Uh, you can study them. I watched a documentary on them. It blew my mind what they believe tonight and what they are following. Uh, there's all kind of cults and things out there uh, in this generation. That's not my problem tonight. I'm not struggling with that. Uh, really, if I was in this thing for money, I'd probably be charismatic and uh, go at it that direction. How many of y'all really believe tonight that I could pop some of y'all in the head and heal your elements? Somebody want to try it tonight? Do we have a volunteer in the house of God? Brethren, I am telling you something. The only thing, uh, I might ought to get my brother, Brother David, I think we could put on a good show, amen, and uh, make some money uh, with that. Uh, Leroy Jenkins, this is always my go-to. Leroy Jenkins is from Greenwood, South Carolina, and God told him to purchase this certain property and on that property if you'll dig a well there is holy water on that property and for $19.99 a gallon or not a gallon amen a pint 
for $19.99 a pint, you can have some of Leroy's water, amen? Uh, how many of y'all are struggling with that tonight? Some of you are gonna go home and Google it, amen, and get you some of that water along with your lifetime supply of toilet paper, and we'll make it through the corona, amen? And... Uh, uh, I'm not gonna lie, Brother David. I ordered a sample of, uh, me and another feller, uh, ordered a sample of, uh, Leroy Jenkins's holy water. And it came with instructions, uh, and it said this. It said, pour in your gas tank of your car and watch the miracles happen. Amen. It said, pour on your wallet and watch the increase. Now, I have to admit, when nobody was looking, I turned around and poured it on my wallet, amen? Guess what happened? Nothing, amen. No miracle money, no great. And I knew that, Brother David, we was kidding around, but uh, does anybody have a problem with that tonight? But when you look at the man's website, there are thousands of people that follow that deception such as that. And what really blows my mind about him is, is the man speaks with a list. Why don't he pour some of that on his lip and fix it, amen? I have never understood that. And, uh, but that's not my problem tonight, is these things such as this. But there are some problems in these latter days. Let me give this to you. Jude is writing to them and telling them, I am cautioning you to contend for the faith. Paul has lost his head. We could look at a lot of that tonight. They have suffered the reign of Nero. Nero has taken Christians and made candles out of them and literally burnt them at his parties and get-togethers. That's what they're dealing with in this day. Nero has impaled them and hung them on the walls of the palace because they were Christians. Herod 9, chapter number 12 of Acts killed. James, one of the sons of thunder. Stephen has died. Multitudes have given their lives for the cause of Christ at this time period. And I think about that and compare it to our time. Uh, brethren, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, we ain't got much to complain about in this generation about serving God. How many of y'all have been threatened to be killed for your Christianity? Matter of fact, some of us have done such a good job of hiding the gospel, we have never even been talked down to for being a Christian. You never witness, you never tell anybody else, and we feel as though that we have sacrificed if we come to the house three times a week. Brethren, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Brother David, if we can get half the crowd back for Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I got some of the faithful ones here tonight. And I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate it, amen. I feel like a beggar, not a preacher, just trying to beg people to do what they should naturally do according to the Word of God and serve God because they love Him. But I believe that we're dealing with something that is a little bit harder. And, and I say this very carefully tonight. Then some of the things that they dealt with in a sense. But notice this. Let me give this to you. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians tonight. 2 Thessalonians as we look at this together. 
We have seen, if, if we've not learned anything else during this COVID thing, we have seen how quickly our government can shut us down. How many of y'all would have thought three months ago that they would have shut our churches down and we couldn't go to church? Now, I understand. I, I believe in being careful about this COVID thing. I ain't being stupid about it. I have kind of stayed away from town. It feels weird going to Walmart and everybody wearing masks. And here I am grinning at everybody walking through there, amen, trying to see if I know who they are because I like to talk to people. And, uh, and but David said, you got hand sanitizer on the walls tonight. That's smart. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, he said it's homemade, so don't nobody try to drink that stuff. Ain't no telling what it'll do to you. I don't know what they homemade it out of, but it'll knock the germs out of you, amen. I just gave some of y'all a temptation. Y'all better be careful, amen. But and I, and I believe in being careful about this. We don't need to be a bunch of idiots. But I have sat back and I have watched how easily they shut us down. What do you think the future of America is? Do y'all realize that we will probably never return to the normal life that we once knew just from this right here? Everybody, everybody realizes that. We're going to see the mass. We're going to continue to see the social distancing. We're going to continue to see a, a separation. We're going to continue to see a persecution against the church in this generation. They burn a church down in Mississippi, I think, over the weekend. Some of you shaking your head and they gravitated in the parking lot. And it said, you'll stay at home now, won't you, a bunch of hypocrites? We're going to see an increase of that. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody said, well, I'd die for him. I'm going to tell you something. I can assure you if you won't live for him, you ain't going to die for him. Say so get Thessalonians. Let me give this to you quickly tonight. In 1 Thessalonians, you have to understand the context of both books. Paul had written to them about the Lord coming. They got nervous and they got scared that it was happening right there. So in that, Paul rewrites to them to encourage them that it's not quite at hand yet. And he says that. Look at it. Look with me. 2 Thessalonians, chapter number, uh, chapter number I didn't took it out of my Bible. Amen. My poor old Bible's falling apart. And uh, look with me in chapter number 2. He said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Does everybody understand that right there? I mean, that's simple, is it not? Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. What do you reckon our gathering together unto him is? Amen? Is anybody here going to gather there? Read on with me. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither in spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. He's encouraging them. Don't you be nervous what we said. And, and then he goes on and he's going to give them two things that's going to happen before Jesus shows up. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. For that day shall not come, except there come a fallen away first. We preach that a lot, don't we, Brother Philip? Y'all understand what a fallen away is? I really believe that that deals with the church in this generation. 
I really believe in you. Say, preacher, is it just now happening? No, church, this thing didn't just start yesterday. It has started a couple, several hundred years ago. The church slowly, slowly, the devil slowly taking away at the church and people. And I'm telling you, we've seen a major escalate. I mean, just an acceleration in it in the last several years, no doubt. Let me ask you something, Brother Philip. You mentioned something about the old days. Man, I've been saved 23 years now and it's not the same. People are not as zealous as they used to be. People are not as on fire as they used to be. I'm not as I used to be. Benny Hinn's not my problem. The Jehovah's Witnesses is not my problem. Leroy Jenkins is not my problem, but this spirit of the great falling away is really bothering me. Do you pray like you used to? Things that you was once against, now you live with. Do you study your Bible like you used to? Brother Philip used a statement, and I remember preachers telling us, oh, you boys will learn better, and it used to make me want to vomit when I heard that. Oh, yeah. Sure, we have learned better. Some we did, we preached against everything under the sun. But then I look back in the zealous days, though. Man, we was in church every night of our life. We was on the mountain praying somewhere. We was excited. We was exe- just zealous about God. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. I I really feel like this great falling away is really affecting us more than we realize. He he said it, Paul said, there's two things going to happen before Jesus comes back. I didn't write it, Paul did. I know it bothers some people, but he said, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. We are experiencing that great falling away right now. But Phil, I, I hate to compare, the Bible says they that compare, you know, themselves one with another are not wise. Our comparison is the Lord. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Brother, what I'm seeing in this generation scares me to death. How many zealous on fire young preachers do you really know? that's not carnal as a devil, that's out trying to do something for God, preaching on the street corners, nursing homes, or wherever God's up in the door, up on the mountain praying every night, just craving after God. How many of those y'all know, church, coming on the scenes? We're hurting. We are absolutely hurting. How do we contend with that? How do we deal with this spirit of the great falling away? How do I contend with that? Am I going to make it with this chaotic Christianity that I'm living? Spursely praying, spursely reading my Bible, being all spiritual at church and just carnal at home and everything that I do? It's not, well, you can stick that dynamite under that lumber all you want to. You're not going to have a home sitting out there when it explodes. 
and you live in this chaotic Christian life, you're living just very sparsely spots here and there, we are not going to make it. John said if it had been of us, they'd have continued with us. I believe we're living in a day where God is separating the men from the boys, spiritually say. Look at this. Let me give you the message just quickly. We see it's a caution to contend. The word contend means this. It means to struggle for. It means to strive. It means to strive against. It means to use earnest efforts to defend. Are you doing that tonight? Are you a contender? A lot of you men like fighting and UFC and stuff like that. And you, you see somebody, one of the big boys, run through for a long time and they start crying out, hey, we need a contender for this man. Somebody that can stand up to him and knock him down. Are there any contenders tonight? Are you even fighting? Or, or let me, are you doing anything? How do we fight back, brother? Well, are y'all some of y'all like me every now and then? It would just be nice to have something to hit. When I'm struggling with doubt and fear and the devil's on me, and, and it's all right here the spiritual warfare. Paul said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not a baseball bat, it's not a machine gun, but on them two clouds, not social distancing there. Preacher, spit all over you if you let him. It's not an F-16. It's not a tank. It's not a knife fight. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. It's not a physical fight, brethren. That's why Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. Some of y'all probably two days, some of y'all two nights was going to come to church and, and on your way to church, a devil just instantly began to pull on you. Oh, you don't want to go down there. Oh, you're tired. Anybody face those fights? I'll just be honest with you. I passed her church and faced those fights. Drive all the way down, Brother Philip. Excited about the message. Fired up, man. Been, been enjoying it myself, brother. Fired up. Get there. I'm just telling you, pastor's heart a little bit. Brother David probably agrees. Pull up, you're excited about this and nobody comes. Boy, it hurts, don't it, Brother David? And then, then there comes the warfare. Setting in on you. You're just an idiot preacher is what your problem is. You, you probably just need to quit this preaching thing. You are helping nobody. Do you ever face any of that, Brother David? Brother Philip, you ever? And then people leave the church. They get ticked off, mad, upset. There's probably people, I dare say, there's probably not people in this building tonight that was here last year. I remember, Brother Dave, one time I took a whole crowd to a camp meeting up in Kentucky and I looked at my wife and maybe me, I don't know if his God prepared me or what, I looked at my wife and said, you know, there's a chance that none of these will be with us in a few years. And Miss Stacy, out of that crowd, you're the only one left out of about 20-something people, I think, that was there. Son, that'll wear on you. 
marital problems, physical problems, financial problems. We're busy. We live faster than any generation ever has. We have more knowledge and we have a lot less God. I, th- I really think we're in trouble. Are you contending? He, he tells them how to contend with it. Look with me in the latter part of Jude. I'll say this in closing tonight. Look in Jude verse number 20. Everything that ends with an ing in this text is how you contend with what we're dealing with. Verse 20, beloved, but ye beloved building. Up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying, ing, in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking. Building, praying, looking. We see tonight, brethren, as we look at this, building. I, I, let, me, let me read this to you. We can, I could go on all night talking about this building, talking about serving God. Building is a construction. We can look in Ephesians tonight, chapter number four, why God gave us preachers and all that order to help us, to edify us, build us up. Build ourselves up. Y'all have been around somebody that was real prideful and arrogant? Some of y'all just had their name go right through your head, amen. Somebody that's full of their self. Knew everything on planet earth. And they built themselves up. We can look at Nebuchadnezzar tonight. I have done that. I've done this. I built this. This is not what this is talking about in a prideful sense building. You can try to stick the stick of dynamite in there all you want to and live a chaotic Christian life, but you're not going to wind up with much. Praying, looking, building. Peter said, in 2 Peter, he said, add to your faith. That is you doing it. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Brethren, we are dealing, I'm not dealing with physical persecution tonight. And I'm not dealing with being hung on Nero's wall. But I tell you what I am dealing with. And that's the spirit of this great falling away that we're seeing. Some of you, it's all you can do. And I felt this. Some of you spiritually, it's all you can do to keep your head above the water. And you're struggling. And you're fighting. Well, that's a good sign. You're, you're contending a little bit to try to keep yourself in the house. That's great. It really is. It's a good thing that you're even fighting that much. How many of y'all know, I mean, you look around at our younger generation, church. Let's stand tonight. And let's bow our heads and our hearts and maybe you need to pray tonight. And this altar's open. I'm afraid instead of building in our Christianity, we are deconstructing. We're tearing apart what God has done for us.
This spirit, I'm telling you something, I ain't hearing a lot much about it nowadays, but I'm going to tell you what, this spirit that has come on the church and this spirit of apathy and dealing with this spirit of this great falling away, I, I don't have the vocabulary or the right words to really deal, to really express what I feel about it tonight, but I'm going to tell you something, I have felt it within myself and I do not like it. I hate that feeling of just keeping your head above the water spiritually. Man, I felt like I've been like that for quite a while. And I'm not saying these things that anybody would feel sorry for. I wish I could, uh, you know, just bear everybody's burdens tonight. Maybe what you feel, what you deal with and Son, if we ain't careful, the devil will use our own marriages against our spirituality. The devil will use our own churches against our spirituality. The devil will use our friends, our family, our finances, everything that he can. And James is dealing with physical men creeping into the church. Creeping in. He's dealing with physical people creeping into the church. If there are physical men creeping into the church, and I often think about that book Brother Hanley Milby wrote on wolves in the church, even the cover. Imagine what tries to creep in on everybody sitting in this church tonight. Things on the phone. Man, I could name a thousand things tonight. I think about this phone, I think about what James said about the tongue. Can a water, well, spring, bear bitter water and sweet water? Son, you, you can read your Bible right here. You can watch videos on good preaching and good singing. And at the same time, there's absolute hell right here. And if you're not careful, it'll get you. Does anybody feel like the pressure's on in this generation? It is. It's because it is. And Jude is warning them to contend. And I want to encourage you tonight, keep fighting. A good soldier. He uses the word endurance, Paul does. Endurance, that's something that a lot of people do not have. People falling out of church and this, that, and the other are some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I, I, I literally had a gentleman get mad at me because I didn't shake his hand one service. I really had to deal with that. What? I mean, really, I'm not just kidding y'all. I really had to deal with a gentleman that was upset at me for not shaking his hand one service. Had a man leave the church because he said, I talked about being saved too much. What? I'm serious, bro. He said, that preacher talks about getting saved too much. What? I got a preacher friend that had a man leave his church because he said he preached too much Bible. What? That's because everybody wants these, I call them 
these television series messages, something that just oozes and awes everybody, and the truth of the matter is they got it off the internet somewhere from somewhere else. Have, you, have, have y'all ever, has it dawned on y'all that most of our preaching nowadays leaves us with no biblical doctrinal learning? We're hurting. Preacher, you come on tonight.